Looking for a graduation gift to inform, inspire, and encourage? When you give a subscription to Christianity Today, you're giving redemptive, relevant news and thoughtful balanced dialogue about the church, current issues, and public theology. Visit orderct.com slash graduate gifts to get a discounted student subscription for the graduates in your life. Starting at only $2 per month, this gift will engage and grow their faith throughout the year. Click the link in the show notes or visit orderct.com slash graduate gifts to order now. is the Church Law Podcast, where you can get practical solutions for today's leaders. I'm your host, Erika Cole, the church attorney. Welcome back to the Church Law Podcast. My name is Erika Cole, known as the church attorney, and I'm the creator of the Church Attorney Legal Audit System, a proprietary process for denominations and churches, to assess their health from a legal perspective. Learn more and download your free legal audit document checklist found in the show notes. I'm thrilled to be your podcast host, and I want to thank each of you for listening. If you are enjoying the podcast, we would appreciate your five-star rating and your positive reviews on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this podcast so that other church leaders like you can find this invaluable resource. So as you may know, we have been in an amazing podcast series entitled Strengthening Your Church for the Long Haul. The underlying goal has been to provide you with various tools for building longevity into the lifeblood of your church operations. So... To this point, we have discussed in episode 29, using a legal audit to position your church for the long haul. Had fantastic feedback from you on that. Episode 30 was equipping your church board for long-term success. So we talked about the essential tools that every church board needs. Episode 31, we covered building the next generation of church leaders and had a fantastic guest, Nicole Massey-Martin, on that one. Episode 32, Legal Considerations for AI in Church. Of course, AI is all the rage, and there are some legal issues specifically to churches, so you'll want to make sure you catch that episode. Last episode, we talked about pastoral succession planning with guest attorney and pastor attorney Travis. It was amazing. He also authored a book about succession planning, both from a spiritual and legal perspective. And so today I'm excited that we're going to be addressing how auditing church membership now can save you future headaches. So really strengthening church membership for the long haul. So I'm going to start off by doing what may be somewhat of an impossible task, and that is defining church membership. But At least I want to give us a working definition for purposes of this podcast episode. So, of course, how churches handle and define membership vary greatly. One definition of church membership says it's the biblical description of the church as a community, and it implicitly requires us to join the community, right? So it's a community of believers and you have to sign up. You've got to join to be a part. 
On the other hand, there certainly is the view, and I would say this is somewhat more of a current view, that being a part of a church doesn't require membership for involvement or even leadership roles. I will say I was raised in probably a pretty traditional church. I was raised in a small church in rural Virginia, and the church at the time had fewer than 200 members. And even though the church was small, it was really a family church and the families really were connected to each other. They were dedicated members, honestly, in a lot of ways, the most dedicated members I've ever seen. There were lots of Sunday dinners. There were, you know, lots of meals together. It was a kind of place where if someone got sick, if a member got sick, then you could be sure that other members were showing up to the hospital or to their homes. The members also came together to make sure that the building was clean and to provide the worship music and to take care of the various administrative tasks, all without pay, shall I say. Again, some of these things are in a lot of ways relics of a time gone by. And there was a required process for becoming a member. So some of you may be familiar with this concept of the right hand of fellowship, a process maybe where someone completes a membership class and then they stand before the church to affirm that he or she adopts the church's tenets. These clear processes of becoming a member. Some other examples are the individuals who have a giving record. They are able to demonstrate their fiscal support of the church. Perhaps they're also able to demonstrate that they've been a part of the church for at least some requisite period of time, sometimes six months or a year. These are common time periods that I've seen. Also being able to demonstrate that the person is, quote unquote, a member in good standing before any official membership status could be conferred. So you can see there are two very different approaches, very firm descriptions for what one must do in order to become a member, like taking a course or taking the right hand of fellowship or signing that you agree to the church's tenants. On the other hand, there is the approach that, listen, you just come and be a part of the work that we're doing and we won't block you for not being a member. And frankly, some churches don't really even necessarily have a protocol that defines membership. Well, I want to talk about membership today and how reviewing your membership matters can really save you incredible headaches for the future. So you may remember if you're like Gen X or older, this whole American Express ad that used to say membership has its privileges, right? So you get an American Express card, you become a member of American Express, then you get all these benefits, right? So the same concept within churches, and again, while no two organizations define church membership the same, some say it's more like a passport that provides kingdom access and kingdom privileges, kingdom responsibilities. And these things can also, the definition of member can also vary based on denominational lines. Some denominations have clearly assessed in their manual what it takes to become a member and maybe even what it takes for a church to become a member. What is certainly true and the ultimate point that I want to make throughout this podcast is your church's ability 
to clearly define, elucidate, and state properly what it means to be a member is critical. And why is it critical? Because almost every single legal issue that a church will encounter, and certainly if there's any matter of litigation, knowing who the members are is a baseline consideration for how issues need to be addressed. So let me just mention where you would want to, what you would want to examine as a church to ensure that from a legal standpoint, you are giving good care to define what membership is. So the first place that we would look is to your state, what we would call statutory law. So your state statutes. Some states outline a minimum number of members that a church would need to have in order to form. Um, Sometimes it can be as little as three, and sometimes it may be more. The Internal Revenue Service, again, if a church were to apply for tax-exempt status, while there is no bright line that might be pointed to or identified readily in writing, Generally speaking, before they're examining a tax-exempt application for a church, they're going to want to see at least 30, 35 members of the church. There's got to be some way that we are able to readily identify how do we call ourselves a body of believers. So being able to give a name to that organization, being able to identify what it takes to be a member, even if you say you don't have to do any of those more formal things that I mentioned earlier, right? Like take a class or stand in front of the church or shake the pastor's hand or sign a document saying that you agree with the tenants. Even if, you, if you're if you not taking that more formal position, some definition of who can be a part of the organization of the church is really critical. So some level of profession, some faith definition, baptism, a certain age. Do you have to be at least 16 years old, 18 years old, 25 years old, whatever that might mean? Is there more than one class of membership? So for example, if you have certain members who are able to vote on matters, must they do things that are different from another class of member, right? So some denominations have what they consider full members. They may have what they consider baptized members, and they may be in a different category or different class than other members. Are there certain responsibilities that are necessary, i.e. regular attendance? So for example, if someone gives to the church regularly, but hasn't attended the church in years, are they still a member? Well, hopefully you'll be able to look to your bylaws, the church's bylaws, to make this clear distinction. So are there responsibilities like regular attendance, like giving or tithing? Are there certain rights, like the right to vote on certain things, maybe the right to vote on the purchase of a property, the sale of a property, the hiring of a significant role, for example? And... Is there certain certain provision around the removal or the termination of membership? So unfortunately, just today I saw a lawsuit that was filed where a member was filing suit against the church. 
And this happens, unfortunately, way too often, I think, and, and certainly maybe far more often than used to occur. So is there some process of removal or termination of membership rights? Let's say someone hasn't been active for a lengthy period of time, hasn't contributed for a lengthy period of time. Does your church go through a process of quote unquote purging the membership roles? I think many churches might say, um, I, I talked to someone very recently and they say we have 300 members on the church roles, but we see about 60 people on a Sunday. Well, there needs to, we want to close that gap, right? We want to close the gap between what is on the quote unquote membership roles versus who's actually actively participating in the day-to-day functionality and operations of the church. And then are there different considerations for membership status? This reference of a member in good standing, what exactly does that mean? What is required for a member to be in good standing and what might cause a member to be out of good standing? Does your church accept the transfer of membership? So, for example, when I moved from one state to another, the transfer of membership was just sort of the way of my home church saying, please welcome this member to your church. And I can sort of speak well of her as she comes and moves into a new area. Is is that something that is written into your church bylaws? And then as a part of membership, do the members have regular membership meetings? And again, this is not necessarily something that we see happening all the time today because the reality of church operations often might mean that there's a smaller governing board, for example, that makes a lot of the decisions as opposed to what I would call the people in the pews. But if there are members to take place, their membership meetings to take place, how frequently are those to be held and who has the right to be present at those meetings and to participate in any actions that are taken there? And then maybe a quorum. Is there a minimum number of members present that needs to be present in order to hold a meeting or to take a vote. Some other membership considerations for churches is this question of elections. Like, do the members get to vote on the governing board? Who's on the governing board? Do the members get to vote on the ratification of maybe pastoral leadership or other kinds of leadership? If so, how often do these elections take place? Do the members vote on the church budget? And if so, how frequently and by what affirmative vote? Does it have to be two-thirds or three-fourths or something of that effect? And I think we've talked a bit about this issue of removal, removal of membership, the official membership status, right? So there can be removal possibly with or without cause, And if there's removal with cause, what might those causes be? (laughs) And when you get into that area, I assure you these can be murky waters because when you talk about removal of one's membership, there is plenty of case law in many jurisdictions that show that this membership does have some level of value. So while it may not be immediately quantifiable in dollars, 
it does have value that when it's removed, it's something that could be challenged. And then resignation. What if a member wanted to resign or, you know, for whatever reason, maybe they're moving or going to a different church? What is the process for that? So these are major considerations when we talk about what church membership is and how church membership is operated and the practical considerations as well really gets down to if there is a decision to be made at the church and the decision is to be made by church members, the ability to readily identify who the church members are and to have a clear role as in like document showing who the church members are is really critical for every church. I have found that no matter what the issue is that may cause a church to have certain challenges, the whole idea of who gets to make the decisions that impact the church are, that's really at the core of many of the challenges that churches may experience. And the decision to audit your church membership now can save you so many headaches for the future. So not only do you want to be able to, as I sort of cover some of these big things again. Number one, you want to be able to define clearly what church membership is for your church. Noting that some churches define this more, shall I say, stringently, or there are more variables included and required for church membership. And other churches say, you know, you don't have to sign anything that says that you're a member. You don't have to be here for a particular period of time. You don't have to demonstrate that you've given. You just can be a part of us. No questions asked, if you would. And I won't get into the pros and cons of these different approaches. I just want to highlight them for purposes of this discussion today. So the definition of church membership and then Number two, what are the requirements of church membership? What does it look like to maintain one's membership? Are there certain responsibilities that are associated with it? I mentioned some things like giving or attendance or maybe serving over a certain period of time, etc. Next, are there ways that one might lose one's membership, may be removed or terminated? Another consideration is whether that membership can be transferred. Can it be transferred into the church? Can it be transferred from that church to another church? These are all important considerations. And what we have seen is that courts will generally enforce your governing documents around how you define membership and any rights that are associated with being a member are generally also enforceable. So I want to highlight this because when we talk about strengthening your church for the long haul and strengthening church membership for the long haul, being able to identify who's a member, being able to identify the responsibilities of membership, being able to identify um, maybe some of the challenges associated with church membership, and where there can be legal enforcement around membership, it's important for you to consider these things on the front end. So I would really challenge you, every church leader, to grab a copy of your church bylaws, examine that area of church membership, 
see what the requirements are and see if anything needs to be updated there. Does it still reflect the way your church currently operates? And I also want to highlight, and I'll pop this in the show notes, this article that I think is fantastic written by Richard Hammer. This is on church law and tax, one of the church law and tax resources about eight legal considerations for church membership. It gives a little bit about the history of how membership came about, talks in a bit more detail about voting rights, a bit more detail about this issue of church discipline, as I said, about whether one loses church membership, how that can impact things from a legal perspective. And then analysis of what rights may come with church membership and how the tax-exempt status may also be reflected in this idea of how church operations are are made from day to day. There are other miscellaneous considerations as well, like this whole sense of community. There's a sense of community that can come with membership versus maybe the more laissez-faire, maybe, approach to church membership. So I wanted to make sure that we covered this important discussion of what it means to be a church member, why there are legal considerations to this, the fact that when the church role has not been examined for a period of time, or even what it means to be a member has not been examined for a period of time, it could be harmful to the church and harmful to its longevity because you want to make sure that you can readily identify from month to month who is on your church membership roles because if you need to make any significant decisions and any significant votes need to be taken or if there is any legal implication at all, the question of church membership will ultimately always be at play. So thank you so much for allowing me to share this most recent episode. Again, my name is Erika Cole, the church attorney. Please keep listening and sharing your thoughts. You can always reach me at erikacole.com. That's E-R-I-K-A-C-O-L-E.com. For listening. I'm happy to be your host, Erika Cole, the church attorney and creator of the Church Attorney Legal Audit System, my four-step proprietary process that helps churches and denominations assess their legal risk. Set the tone for integrity in your church and download your free copy of the Legal Audit Document Checklist using the link in the show notes below and learn more at erikacole.com. That's E-R-I-K-A-C-O-L-E.com. podcast is brought to you by Church Law and Tax, part of Christianity Today's podcast network. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that the host and the publisher are not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, or other professional services. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional person should be sought. Due to the nature of the U.S. legal system, laws and regulations constantly change. Listeners are encouraged to consult with legal counsel to verify the information provided here remains current. Visit churchlawandtax.com for more insights.